Before we get started, you'll notice that in this episode, we refer to Heidi, who was a gestational carrier, as the more common term of surrogate. However, there is an important distinction. In traditional surrogacy, the eggs are provided by the surrogate. But for a gestational carrier, the eggs come from the biological mother. Unfortunately, she miscarried several times, probably about five times. That's Heidi Morales. A few years ago, she encountered a coworker devastated by the loss of another pregnancy. Today we'll hear Heidi discuss her initial motivations. Why not help somebody that is having trouble? How her family reacted when she told them about the idea. His response was, you're crazy. Don't you think that's gonna be weird and you're gonna be emotional knowing that you're gonna have another child somewhere in the world? and what the experience can be for both sides when everything goes right, along with all the unexpected details she had to confront along the way. I don't want him in there. I'm gonna be fully exposed. This is another man. And as my husband really got to know them, my husband said, Heidi, these are his babies. From Bridger Media in Los Angeles, this is Philip Persia Radio, the limited series podcast channel with your host, Layla Jerusalem. I used to work for a studio. I was a makeup artist. There was one photographer that I was very close with, and she and I did several photo shoots together. She had a son who was two years old at the time, and she wanted to have another baby. And one day, she and I were in the middle of a photo shoot. She was pregnant, and she went to the restroom. She came out in a panic and said, I have to leave. She gave me the look like she needs to leave because something was wrong with the baby. Unfortunately, she miscarried several times, probably about five times. That day, I went home. On my way home, I just really thought about it, and I was really heartbroken because of her her emotional look because she really, really wanted this baby. She wanted to add to her family. So from that day forward, I put a lot of thought into it. And it made me think to another time, maybe about a year before that, I have a sister that's about eight years older than me. And at the time, she must have been in her mid-30s. Unfortunately, my sister had to have a hysterectomy. My sister has three children. One day, she showed up at my house crying with my brother-in-law. She said, I have to have a hysterectomy, and I don't want to do this. And I said, well, you know, it's probably what's best for your health, and, you know, your kids need you. And... She was crying and she said, but what if I'm not done with my family? What if I want to have more kids? I looked at my sister and I said, well, Selena, if this is what you decide you want to do at a later time, well, then what are you talking about? I'm your sister. I'll carry your baby for you. Both stories were constantly on my mind. For probably about a year, I would do some research online on my way to work. Whenever I was, I had some downtime, I would pull it up on my phone. I would Google surrogacy, what the process is. And I just really started looking further into it. Finally, one day I told my husband, I said, I think I want to be a surrogate. His response was, you're crazy. 
don't you think that's going to be weird and you're going to be emotional knowing that you're going to have another child somewhere in the world? And I looked at him and I was like, I don't think that's how it works. I looked further into it. I went back to him and I said, okay, so this is what it is. They take the intended parent's embryo and they implant it in me. And I just am the oven for nine months. I help bake their baby and they're not my child. And so he asked me, are you sure? And I said, I've really been wanting to do this. At this point, how many kids had you had? Four. And you knew you were done? I knew I was done. You were done having your children. Mm-hmm. The seed was planted in your mind. Sounds like he became a little bit almost obsessed with this idea just Googling it all the time. It wouldn't leave your mind for about a year. You did all this research. Take us through that moment of having had your four kids, knowing you wanted to do this, and he finally agreed. I would definitely say obsessed is the right word to use. Finally, my husband was on board. I spoke with my kids. My kids at the time were old enough to comprehend what a pregnancy is. And when someone is pregnant, a baby comes home. So I had a conversation with my children casually on the drive home from school. And the reason I spoke with my kids is because at the end of the day, there's no baby coming home. And I knew this was, even though this is something that my body would be doing, it still involved the whole family. And I explained to them, you know, sometimes families are unable to have their own children and this would be helping them. So the kids were on board. All of this was happening. You were having these conversations. I have a big question for you. Why? I can understand that it got into your mind and you wanted to learn more about it. But what was the reason that finally pushed you to the place where, yes, there's no turning back. I want to do this. And this is why. I remember this moment so clearly as if it was just happening now. Being a parent takes a lot of work and a lot of time. There are times when, you know, I don't get a lot of sleep and it's just constant go, go, go. And I remember sitting at this track meet and I was at the top of the bleachers and my daughter was racing and she was in first place. The entire school was rooting for her and I started crying. And the reason I cried is because I thought all of the hard work that I go through As hard as it is, this is why. This is the reward. This is, you know, all of my sleepless nights, the late nights, early mornings. It felt so good. At that point, I was just thinking, I'm so blessed to be able to have my own children. I knew that there were people out there that wanted children, including my coworker. And I knew what that feeling was to be a parent. It just made me feel like they can have this feeling. And I've never had any difficulties getting pregnant, being pregnant, delivering, delivering. Why not? Why not help somebody that is having trouble? That day, I left the school. I was driving home. So I said, you know what? I'm going to Google a surrogacy agency, the closest to me. I'm going to give them a call and see how can I get the ball rolling because I'm always busy and I never complete the application process. So I was driving and I had them on speaker and I said, look, this is something that I really, really, really want to do. What is the fastest way to do the application and get things moving? 
their worker said, I'm going to start it now. I'll ask you the questions. You answer the questions. I'll email you. And when you have a chance, just read through the answers, make sure that it's correct, sign it and send it back to me. Had you known how needed surrogates were? No. As far as the numbers go? No, not at all. And then with the way that she quickly wanted to get your information, did it suddenly like dawn on you? No, I didn't feel like it was let's hurry up and get her in because we need as many people. I just felt like she was being nice and helping me because she was very nice to me. She's taking down all of your information. You're driving. What are the questions that she's asking? It was a lot of personal questions. How many children? How many boys? Their ages? How long I had been married? She asked me why I wanted to be a surrogate if I was done having my own children. A lot of medical questions about my family. Probably whether you've had any miscarriages yourself. Definitely questions like if I've had any miscarriages, any complications in any way. She did touch on family history and things like that. So come Monday, I went ahead and I uploaded photos and everything that she asked of me and I submitted it. And then how long did it take for you to get a response? After that, I had to go in and do a psych evaluation. I had to do like a medical screening and I had to do like fingerprints. My husband had to go in and do a psych evaluation and he had to do a medical screening as well. They just want to make sure that he doesn't have any type of STDs and he's medically well himself. And that the baby would also be safe in your home, probably. Yes, they had to wait for the results to come back from the doctor's office and the psychiatrist. Once we were cleared, the agency has a website where only intended parents can log in and they have to have a username and password. It's a list of different surrogates, a story of them and photos of the surrogate and their family. And while you were going through this process, did the steps that you take feel comfortable to you and feel feel good to you where you felt confirmed in that initial decision you had made? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I felt very comfortable. The agency that I went through that I was working with, they took very good care of me. They made sure I was comfortable. They always checked in. Heidi, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Do you have any questions? Which made me feel really good. I felt like I could come to them with any concerns if I had any. All medical and psych evaluations were paid for by the agency. Yes. So everything was paid for through the agency. Finally, my profile went up in July. At that point, I wasn't sure. I, I thought, what if I never get matched? What if it's a long time before I get matched? And a week later, I received an email and they said, hey, we have a match for you. How do agencies match you? Is it blood type? Is it personality? There's a website that these intended parents go on. They have to have a password to log in. And there's like a list of profiles, a list of different women who want to be surrogates. And in their profile, when they click on it, from what I've been told, they can read up on the surrogate. It's really the intended parents that select. They choose the surrogate. This is who I'm interested in. I did not know this. The match is purely based on how you are viewed on your profile. Yes. By the potential family. Yes. Within a week, you are matched. 
Yes. And And what was that phone call or email like? It was emotional. The day I received the email, I remember I was at the pool with my kids sitting and waiting for them. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. There's somebody that is interested. They want me to be their surrogate. We got in the car. I run in and I tell my husband, we got matched. And he said, with who? And I said, well, I don't know. I haven't opened the email. I wanted to open it with you. I open it and I'm reading the story out loud and I'm crying. It was a couple, an intended mother and an intended father. And the letter is from the mother. She is telling me I'm 34 years old and she's giving me her story. She's tried to get pregnant for a few years already and she loves her husband so much and he's everything to her and they just really want to start a family. I couldn't stop crying because I felt like we can help her. We can help them. I responded right away to the email And the next step was to set up an interview between the intended parents and I. The following Monday, I went into the agency and they were in China and we had to do a Skype video. What did it feel like? Was it tears all around? Was it more formal? It was not formal at all. The caseworker from the agency was next to me the entire time and she translated for me because they only spoke Mandarin. It was emotional. It felt so good. I cried. They cried. (laughs) My caseworker, Summer, cried. And the kids were so excited. And I was very nervous about taking my kids, but I'm really glad that I did take the kids because I could see the intended parents interacting with my kids and saying hi and they like were asking my kids questions and they just felt so sincere the whole situation was just it felt really sincere and it felt good this couple is from china yes did you have an understanding of why they had to look to the united states to find a surrogate did they explain why they couldn't find one in their country or how they had come to find your agency. When we got matched, I asked the caseworker, I said, why don't they go to get a surrogate in China? And I discovered that surrogacy is actually illegal in China. And a lot of women from China come to the United States for surrogacy. A lot of women will actually fake their pregnancy. They wear fake bellies and towards the end of the pregnancy, when the surrogate's ready to deliver, they say they're going on vacation for a little bit and they accidentally have their babies here. So in order to hide the fact that they used a surrogate in a foreign country, they will fake their pregnancy in China and then come to the U.S. around delivery time. I'm assuming, Heidi, that soon after you had to meet with a doctor to get your body prepared for implantation. So how did that entire process start, especially with a couple based in China who extracted her eggs? Where was the, you know, where was the implantation occurring? All of that. I had an appointment at the IVF clinic. I met with the nurse practitioner and she broke everything down. She said, you're going to do injections at home. And I knew this was a part of it from the beginning. But then I was like, oh, how do I do that? And she said, don't worry, I'm going to we're going to demonstrate it for you. 
I was excited. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have my husband. He's going to help me inject these hormones. So you get home, you have all these hormones, you have the injections. You had to wait until you had your first period, I believe. And then you had to take birth control and then stop birth control. I had birth control already. I had an IUD that would last for 10 years. So during the medical screening, I had to have the IUD removed with the intention of helping someone else. Did the agency pay for that removal as well? No, actually, I went into my doctor's office and they removed it. When I went and I spoke with the my first visit at the fertility clinic, they explained the whole medication. They gave me a calendar and they it was very informative. The process was straightforward. It was. And they made it very clear you want to be wise about the time that you insert your first injection because every day you have to do the injection at the same time. You cannot change the time. The first day that I had to start taking my injection, my husband was supposed to help me. So we were supposed to do it in the afternoon. And Daniel told me, oh, let me just unwind a little. I just got home from work. In a little bit, I'll help you, I promised. And then I said, okay, we've got to do it now. And he was like, just let me finish eating and then I'll help you. And before you knew it, I said, Daniel, it's getting late. I can't take this injection like at 11 at night. I need to do it now. And it was seven. And he looked at me and he said, Heidi, I'm scared. And I was so mad. I was like, Daniel, you wasted my time. Why didn't you just tell me from the beginning? And he said, because I didn't want you to be upset. And I said, well, I am upset. And he was like, I can't do it. He was freaking out. I can't do it, Heidi. I was bothered, but it was funny. And so what time of night did it end up being that you did that first shot? I think it was 7.30. And Daniel had been the cause of pushing it from what could have been maybe 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 to 7.30 based on fear. What did you learn about Daniel at that moment, aside from the fact that he doesn't like needles? (laughs) It was funny. I just, I'm, I, at the time, and even now I'm like, I can't even count on you. And it took me forever to insert that injection. I was sweating. Where did you inject this first needle the first time? I had to insert it in my, my upper outer butt area. And trying to like see from the mirror, is it the right area? What if it's too low? What if it's too high? What if it's too much to the left or the right? I was sweating. Finally, I just was like, just hurry up and do it. And I I got through it. I don't know how long it took me, but it felt like forever. But I got through it. And did they tell you, so you get into the room either at 7.30 or sometime around 7.30, you get this injection. You give yourself this injection. Does the doctor tell you, okay, you can put the injection in within like 10 minutes of 7.30 or is it like it has to be exactly 24 hours or do you have some sort of grace period for these types of moments when there's terror and sweating and confusion? She didn't tell me, oh, you can do it within, as long as it's within 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So that first injection was a nightmare because I thought, oh my goodness, the later I go, the later I have to do this every day. She didn't tell me I had like a grace period. She just said it has to be wise of the time because it has to be at the same time every day. And you just assumed that meant on the dot. At 737. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happened, let's say, at 7.37. And so how many timers did you have to set to make sure you remembered the next day and the next day? I had an ongoing alarm for five minutes before. I was very nervous. I didn't want to screw anything up. So I chose five minutes before because I had to prep the needle with the medication. I had to give myself plenty of time to prep the medication, open up the little alcohol swab and wipe myself to clean it. I always gave myself five minutes and at 7.37, I pop it in. <laughs> and you do this for two weeks, correct? I did this. So every journey is different. I did injections until I was 12 weeks pregnant. Every day? Every Well, every doctor, every fertility doctor is different and will prescribe something different. Every pregnancy is different. I did injections before I got pregnant every day. And this is progesterone. It's progesterone and it's Lupron. And then there's a little pill, but it's a vaginal insert. So after so many weeks, you have to start doing the vaginal insert. And once you're pregnant, you start doing it. Instead of doing the injection every day, it was every other day. I started injections in August and we did the embryo transfer September. I continued on medications until I was 12 weeks pregnant. My conversation with Heidi continues after the break. And I said, well, where are the embryos? And he's like, oh, they're in an incubator growing. And I told the doctor, well, if it's growing in an incubator, why do they need me? Preconceived is brought to you by Medinatura. If you've ever taken medication for pain, you know that there can be a range of side effects. Medinatura gives millions relief without the side effects of conventional medicines. When I got seriously injured a few years ago, one over-the-counter muscle pain product gave me instant relief. Tea Relief, made from Arnica, plant-based pain relievers in a cream of organic oils and organic shea butter, contains no dyes or perfumes. Medinatura products like Tea Relief, WellMind, Clear Life, and Reboost can be purchased on Amazon, Whole Foods, or Sprouts. Use code MIRACLE to receive 25% off your order on medinatura.com. Hi listeners, before we get back to the rest of this episode, we remind you that every share, rate, and review makes a difference. It keeps us connected to you and tells us what stories to bring you next. Share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So they implanted this embryo into your body and it worked the first time? It did. You're obviously on pins and needles because you want this to work. You want everything to go perfectly. Everyone's counting on you. What was that like? It was exciting and it was very easy. I just assumed every journey was as easy as this journey. Everything moved very quickly for me. Before we started medication, we had to do a legal contract with their attorney, my attorney. There was an agreement and we had to review it word for word. I read it. I was fine. They read it. They were fine. We were done. 
that got done in about a day, uh, maybe about two days because of the time difference between China and the United States. From that point, we moved on to medications and we started injections and we did an embryo transfer and I was on bed rest from the embryo transfer. We have to go straight to a hotel and I was on bed rest for two days. Doctor's orders? Yes. It was easy. There was no struggles at all. My mom went with me. My husband and my mom were at the embryo transfer, the, the fertility clinic, waiting for me outside. You know, I go in. I thought someone can go in with me. Nobody could go in. They don't let anyone in. I was curious because I was on the table and I'm like waiting like, okay, what does it look like? And I thought, oh, my mom and my or my husband can explain like what everything looked like. Because lying down on the table, you can only see so much. And they were not able to. So I was like, oh, I missed it all. Once they were done, the embryo transfer took three seconds. It was quick. I was amazed. And I knew that the intended parents had five embryos and they were going to transfer two. They wanted twins. And I was okay with it. When I asked the doctor, I said, well, wait a minute. We were waiting. He checked me and he said, okay, she's ready. Bring the embryos. And I said, well, where are the embryos? And he's like, oh, they're in an incubator growing. I was blown away. I remember having this feeling and I was like, wait, what? And he said, oh, they've been in there for two weeks already. And I told the doctor, well, if it's growing in an incubator, why do they need me? He laughed at me and he said, well, believe it or not, scientists are working on that. Science. Oh my goodness, I was like surprised. So when I left the room, my mom, my husband, and the caseworker from the agency were there waiting for me. And it was so cute. They were like little cheerleaders. Like if I had been away and I just got out of the plane and they're waiting at the airport, but it was a fertility clinic. We got in the car and we went straight to a hotel. The agency did not let me go home. That was in the contract. It was part of the agreement. I had to be on bed rest for two days and I had to have a companion with me because I was not allowed to do anything. <laughs> and if I had to, I had to be like in a wheelchair. And so we drove, we drove straight to the hotel. So the assumption is that you have to be on bed rest immediately after the implantation because there's a chance that any sort of vigorous activity could affect how well this baby takes to your body. Yes. And my husband, if anyone knows him, he's, he's extra. And he's like, she cannot walk. And I said, Daniel, I'm walking from the parking lot to the room. No, I'm getting you a wheelchair. My mom was like, no, let him get you a wheelchair. And I said, you guys are embarrassing. Let's go now. Of course, they didn't let me. So I had to wheel into this suite. I was on bed rest and it, it was very nice. The intended parents sent the bouquet of roses for me and they checked in on me. The agency checked on me, but I was like on a little mini vacation. Did you know anything about the intended parents, what exactly their line of work was in China, converting Chinese yuan to American dollars? It's no joke. Do you know anything about the line of work they were in or what business they were in? Yes, I was well aware since before I had done the embryo transfer. Before that, I knew he was on the SWAT team in China and she was in finance. 
So they were well off. Yes. Through this all, I was introduced to a new app and it's called WeChat. You text in English, they receive it in Mandarin. They text in Mandarin, you receive it in English. And she, at some point, explained to me that because she was having a really hard time becoming pregnant, her husband's mom, parents, they had several properties in China. They sold one of their properties and they gave them all of the money to put towards surrogacy. So they had one set of supportive parents, his. Do you know anything about her parents or whether or not they supported this? Oh, her parents were very supportive. So they came from what sounds like a very supportive extended family or immediate family. Do you know if she faked a pregnancy? She did not. And the only reason I know about pregnancies being fake was because a part of the journey, you have to agree to go once a month to a support group with a bunch of other surrogates. And during this group is you open up if there's anything you need to vent about, any concerns you have. Every surrogate has their turn. The therapist does a check-in. How are you doing? How are your children? How's the husband? How's the family? How is work? How is the communication between you and the intended parents? Do you have any concerns? One of the surrogates shared her story how her intended mother was faking the pregnancy and would actually ask her, how do you feel? Please let me know. So that way when her friends in China would ask her, oh, how are you feeling? She could give those exact answers. So as part of your agreement, you had to participate in this surrogacy group once a month. You had been implanted before we get to the surrogacy group. After your two days of bed rest and this amazing time of having this in your body and waiting and waiting and waiting. How long did you know before you were actually pregnant? So you have to wait 10 days before you go back into the fertility clinic to do a blood test and a urine test. However, the agency let me know if you want to do an at-home test, you're more than welcome to do so. Whatever the results are, you're not allowed to tell the intended parents. Of course, I was anxious. I did an at-home test and it was positive. And so I told my husband, I told my mom, and we were excited. On day 10, you go to the clinic? Day 10, I go to the clinic. I did blood work, urine tests, and you don't get the results right then and there. But I knew, so I felt good. But then there's that part of me that was like, what if the test came out wrong? Which is funny because I bought three pregnancy tests and they all came out positive, but it's still like, what if? Later on that evening, the fertility clinic sent an email to all of us. It was me, the caseworker from the agency, their director, and the intended parents. The test results are positive. She's pregnant. Congratulations. Your next appointment is on this day. Wow. Yeah. Did you get a sense of how the intended parents reacted or when did you communicate with them next? I think it was through email because through the email, there's so much excitement going on between us and the intended parents, the doctor's office and the agency. Everybody's excited. So we have the director sending from the agency sending congratulation emails to both of us. I had my caseworker and there's just so much excitement through email, like all these email strings. The monthly support groups, which you now are required to attend, 
It sounds like because your experience was smooth, you have a very supportive family, there weren't really a lot of mishaps along the way, none at all that you've mentioned. You may not have actually needed a support group, but you had to attend nonetheless. What were some fascinating things that you learned aside from the fact that women fake their pregnancies around the world while they're waiting for their surrogates to give birth? Going to these monthly meetings, my check-in was a minute to two minutes. It was very fast, and they moved on to the next person. I remember this one surrogate telling a story of how she and the intended parents didn't have a good bond. It was hard for me to believe because of how well my intended mother and I got along. And we never spoke over the phone. It was through WeChat. It, it was hard for me to believe. Just because of the nature of what you're doing, you almost expect the bond to be there no matter what. Yeah. Did you get a sense that people in that room with you were doing the surrogacy for the wrong reasons? I wouldn't say they did it for the wrong reasons. And I think the reason I, I found it hard to believe, you have that interview at the beginning. Once you get matched, you have that interview through Skype or in person to decide this is not just them saying, yes, I want her to be my surrogate. This is also the surrogate saying, I would like for you to be my intended parents and I want to work for you. I'm curious to know what your feeling was meeting other surrogates about this whole process. Were, was everyone that first time doing it because they were feeling that they wanted to help others? Yes. To the degree that you did. Yes. Actually, all of them seemed to be doing it because they wanted to help others. So you had the rest of your pregnancy. You had these monthly meetings. Everything was normal. You communicated continually with your intended mom. And the day came that you were to give birth to this baby. What was that time like going into that delivery date? Oh, it was easy. I was carrying twins. It was just as easy as carrying my single children. Definitely the last month in May, I was to the point where I was just big. I was swollen. I couldn't put my shoes on. I was very uncomfortable. But overall, it was easy. Did you work throughout your pregnancy? Oh, yes, definitely. I always worked full time. That last month, I was starting to get ready to pop. I was ready to have the babies. Even when I was still working, I was doing all kinds of funny stuff. I was doing squats. I was standing in these odd positions for a long time trying to have these girls come. Nothing was working. I went to the doctors and she checked me and she said, I feel like you're going to go into labor soon. The intended parents are now in the United States, correct? So the intended parents actually flew in on May 10th, and I went into labor May 31st. The intended parents are informed that oh, you yes. go into labor immediately, I'm sure. Did you meet them before May 31st? Yes. Um, what was that like? Oh, it was great. It was amazing. We went, they were staying at a, a house in Irvine. So we drove out there and she was so sweet. She had dinner cooked and ready for us. They were just so welcoming to all of us, to Daniel, my husband, myself, and the kids. They were great. We were there for probably about two hours and we had dinner and we talked. We had the caseworker from the agency there. So she did translate for us, but they were great. 
I imagine that in the moment that you get to meet this family whose baby you're carrying, there might be some emotion or maybe the positive experience of the entire pregnancy just allowed you to be calm or neutral upon meeting them. Were you confirmed in your decision over and over again through this process? Or was there kind of a special moment when you finally met them that you knew that this was always the right decision or that this was the right decision all along and you're so glad you did it? The whole time I felt good. The whole pregnancy, I felt really good. The mother and I, every time I had a doctor's appointment because I was carrying twins, I had to go to the doctor every two weeks. When I got towards the end of the pregnancy, it turned into every week I had to go to the doctors. Every time I left the doctors, as soon as I was walking out, I would send her a text and just kind of keep her updated, send her photos of the ultrasound and everything she had to know. And you weren't required to send her these texts, these text updates, correct? A lot of those additional communication you did was because you had felt this connection to her and wanted to do it. Yes. So the the requirement was based off of the contract after every appointment, I had to send an email and update the agency. But I mean, everything went so well. It didn't bother me to send mom a text with this is your baby. This is the heartbeat. This is a video. This is what's going on. Everything looks great. Wow. It wasn't an issue. So the due date is there. You know that you're going to have the baby You go to the hospital, and the couple at this point are also rushing to the hospital. So once they said, you're in labor, you're having twins, you're dilated two centimeters, we're not sending you home because it's considered a high-risk pregnancy because of the twins. We're going to admit you, and you're in labor. At that point, she came over. She must have got to the hospital about 2 in the morning. We were there. We, We waited. And you had the babies naturally? Yes, I had vaginal deliveries with them. So they arrived at 2.30 in the morning. You had the babies. Labor was moving slowly. So the nurse finally said, hey, you know what? Nothing is going to happen tonight. She still has a long way. She probably won't deliver until 7 a.m. Why don't you guys go get a hotel? You are resting or sleeping or just going through really slow labor. And then the moment comes when you know they're coming. Yes. So who calls the parents? I did. And so they rushed over. Who was in the room when you gave birth? It was my husband, the intended mother, and the intended father was not supposed to be in the room. In my contract, I was like, I don't want him in there. I'm going to be fully exposed. This is another man. No. As we got closer to the delivery date and as my husband really got to know them, my husband said, Heidi, these are his babies. This is his first and probably only delivery. He needs to be in the room. And this was for a couple of weeks. And I said, no, he's not going to be in the room. It's in the contract. The answer is no. In the hospital, my husband said, Heidi, I think he needs to be in the room. So finally, and we got along so well. I asked the nurse, I said, is there any way he can be in the room, but behind me at a distance? And she said, of course, we'll set up some chairs and we'll make them sit and we'll make it clear that they cannot get up until we hand them the baby. And it worked out. And they had a camera. My only concern was don't take any photos of me because I'm going to be exposed and you're not my husband (laughs) and I don't want any photos of me. And they were very respectful. 
it was it like the birth of any of your other children as far as just the feeling of let's get these babies out they want to come out I'm just going to push or was it different because these people were there because time kind of suspends right we've both been in labor you forget everything you just want these babies out nothing else matters the first baby came out within 10 minutes did you get a sense of how the intended parents were feeling I can hear and see them, but at the same time, I wasn't really paying attention to them because I had to get the second baby out. So with most twin pregnancies, a lot of doctors go the route of a C-section. And I found this doctor in Pasadena asked, you know, I have four kids. I've never had a C-section. I'm pregnant with twins. Can I please try to have vaginal delivery? And My doctor said, yes, but if we need to do a C-section, you have to understand that we'll have to do a C-section. And I said, that is absolutely fine. If we have to do a C-section, I'm okay with it. She said, what will happen is we'll deliver in the the OR room. So that way, if things change, we are prepared to move quickly. And I said, okay. So it took over 30 minutes for the second baby to come out. And my husband was like, Heidi, you need to push the baby. And I can see the nurse to my right side looking at my doctor. And they were like making faces to each other. And I can tell that they were getting ready for a C-section. Then I had my husband to the left. So I finally did it. She came out. I was exhausted, but I felt good. I was well aware of everything that was happening. They brought the babies over and they let me carry the babies And my husband was holding her and they were taking photos. It felt really good. We cried, all of us. Wow. And looking back, when you think of that experience from beginning to end, what are those feelings? I thought, I can keep doing this. And it was a piece of cake. And the agency would constantly tell me, Heidi, you're amazing. And I thought, oh, they tell everybody this. So I don't think you know this, but I got hired by the agency. And the director said, Heidi, you're going to learn. Some of the surrogates are not as easygoing as you were. And she said, you're going to learn that with the job. You'll know firsthand. I just learned this. In my head, I'm like, they tell every surrogate that just to make them feel good. I think a lot of people will be curious about the compensation. I don't want to know what it was. What I do want to know is whether or not for you and everything you went through, and it sounds to me like you would have done it for nothing, was the compensation, if you did get it, a cherry on top or... How did the compensation affect your relationship to this process? Yes, I was compensated. That wasn't really the reason why I did the surrogacy. So it really didn't matter to me. I was pregnant with twins and our intention was we're planting two embryos. We want to get pregnant with two babies. And so when people found out I was having twins... I got a lot of comments like, I hope it's double the pay several times. And it wasn't. But again, it really wasn't the reason why I wanted to be a surrogate. What do you want to teach others about surrogacy? There are a lot of women out there. There are a lot of couples out there that really want a family And they want to add to their family by having babies. And it's really hard. And I never really knew this until 
I was in that photo session with that photographer and she miscarried and I saw how heartbroken she was. She was excited because she was pregnant and she was like, I've passed this many weeks. This is going to be the one. And she was crushed because she miscarried. I feel like being a surrogate, you really have to know what you're walking into. I've been pregnant six times. Most of them were super easy, including the twins. Every journey and every pregnancy is different. You really have to, as a surrogate, know what you're walking into because things can change. What are some things that people say to surrogates that they should never, ever say that you found insensitive or just a little bit ignorant Aside from, did you get double? I was told a few times, oh, thank goodness this is the last one. Thank goodness you're done. It's my choice. If I want to get pregnant again, it's no one's business. If I want to become a surrogate again, it's no one's business. And I don't think people realize it's insensitive, but it really was. And not everyone may agree with surrogacy, but we all have our own opinions and... I don't think there's a problem with being a surrogate. On our next episode, you'll hear about Heidi's very different experience being a gestational carrier a second time. She just said, Heidi, please, please, please don't have the baby early. Well, I really don't have control over that. Preconceived, Stories of IVF and Surrogacy is developed and executive produced by Leila Jerusalem for Bridger Media in Los Angeles. The series is produced and mixed by Jason Sheasley. We'd like to thank Stephen Winston for his branding expertise and for naming our show, Nan Ray for designing our cover art, and John Raymond Fisher for lending his voiceover talent.